Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's going on, Kansas City? Chiefs Kingdom. A real, real, real reason to be excited this week. Of course. Joe Mays in the house. What is going on, everybody? Danon Hughes right here, and it is players only on each week through the end of the season. Whenever that Chiefs season ends, hopefully, no early time soon. February, no time soon. After I go get my tan down there in South Beach for the Super Bowl, we will be on the air on 610 Sports. We appreciate you all, all the loyal listeners checking in with us every single week. We really appreciate you throughout the season. Our first full year on this great radio station. Actually, I believe this is kind of like our anniversary, I Joe. Because so. we were we uh, started last year during the playoffs, had three great introductory learning experience type of uh, opportunities and shows yeah, man. for the playoff run. And now we're here a year later, man. Yeah, yeah. You, they keep and, making the same mistake. Yeah, and last year it was three of us. And you know, not somebody bailed. Yeah, you know, not gonna say any names. So I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was a bail barbershop or if he were able to work his way up up into his own show. Oh, he's like he was like George. He's like George Jefferson. He moved on up. He moved on up. Yeah, he walking. He waddling out there. Yeah, Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, you know, and we haven't heard from him since. So that's a shame, man. Yeah, barbershop. If you out there listening, man, you got to call in. You got to text in. You got to do something because we haven't heard from you. You know, since you took that step up. Defensive guys, man. Oh, my bad. Ah, you, my you bad. know what? Nah, Oops. See, Oops. You know what? It's I, <laughs> I think I think from this standpoint, you gotta label us either loyal or not loyal guys. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think so. Sixty five plays a game against a defensive guy. He's nice about three or four of them. All right, what about the special? other sixty two plus? He's cheating, grabbing, holding, doing all kind of stuff. So I'm I'm I don't know if I could chalk up the whole, you know, forgiveness route. I mean, that's extra. I mean, all right, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's number See, one. There you go. And I think everyone knows that and everyone abides by that rule. Number two, <laughs> and I, I think if you have a teammate, no matter whether he's an offensive or defensive guy, if he's loyal, if he goes out there and, and puts everything on the line for the team and not just himself, then you have to appreciate that. And so, I think that's. So are we saying that Barbershop is loyal? Nah, man. I mean, he took the step up and left us hanging. I know, man. You know, he, he went didn't up big time. Yeah, he didn't try to. He didn't try to bring us along with him. You know, he didn't try to pull shame, me along because he is my vet. You yeah. know what I mean? I he's thought he was going. He's supposed to be like a mentor, right? You show me the way. You pull me along. See, you know, you have me by your side so I can learn from you. See, I expected it because I'm an offensive guy. So oh, I expected okay. it the whole time. Yeah, you got caught off guard. I mean, I'm just all about you know being loyal and and. Uh, it's you a know, shame, yeah, man. man. I, I mean, doggone shame. Hey, I wonder, is this barbershop texting in right now saying that I appreciate you, my guy? I don't know. I have to check nine one three address book. It might be him. It could be him. It might be him. He has to stay incognito because you know exclusivity 
uh, <laughs> type of deals. You know, you know, he don't want to get uh, excommunicated from the big from the big house from the from the penthouse. You yes. know, he don't want to do that. So he just sent me a text with a picture of him drinking some kind of drink. Oh, he's sitting drinking Mai Tais with umbrellas yeah. in it. And saying, somewhere, he probably already in South Beach trying to get his uh, apartment ready or uh, Airbnb for the Super Bowl. Yeah, and this uh, this is how you could tell he's big time in this because he called us punks. Oh, dang. He said, punks, I'm listening. Dang. Well, that shows That's that he's shame. listening. One, That's a shame. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, I guess he still has an ear for, you know, his guys, you know, even though he took that next step. Yep. We got to let him do what he's doing. That's all right. Yeah. Hey, it's good. Yeah. But we are back, players only, back in full effect, 6-7, to seven, each and every Thursday during the Chiefs season. And it's great to be back after a good restful week, yeah. a bye week. Um, I predicted it, Joe. I, you know, I've said on this air that my, my nickname is Nostradanen. Yeah. I knew that the Miami Dolphins were going to beat the Patriots. And in Gillette Stadium, I kind of knew that. And... um. The Chiefs get the two seeds, so you're welcome, Chiefs fans. Look at him. Hey. He's all about himself. Hey. Still. Just just dusting off my shoulders right now, dusting off the collars, popping collars in here. Yeah, I thought you I thought you gave us yourself a pat on the back last week. Like literally all Well, who said that pats on the back only have to last for one week? That's an offensive guy for you. Hey. Don't know how to move to the next play. Hey Joe, I was recruited as a quarterback. Oh, receiver yeah. and a defensive back. And the reason why I didn't go on the defensive side is because I had too many touchdown dances that I wanted to do. Hmm. So that tells you. So that, that I'm okay with being in the front lines, baby. That 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 just tells me you don't want to work to put, you don't want to work hard to get to earn the Ed Lover dance. Yeah, you don't want to work hammer, hard to earn the, anything. The running man, all those dances back in the day I was doing before it was illegal in college football. You appreciate it more when you're on the defensive side and you score. Uh, you appreciate it a lot yeah, more. Yeah, because it don't happen very much. I mean, well, look, you know, you're too busy trying to stop guys <laughs> from scoring. I think it's, I think, you know, it's a lot more you put into that instead of, you know, thinking about your next dance and, you know, wanting to celebrate and showboat because that's making it all about you. It's not making it about the team. Oh, where's the violin? Once again. Where's the once violin? Once again, hey, it's okay. I can play the violin while I'm talking. <laughs> If only I knew how to play the violin. Players only. The phone line. Call us, 913-576-7610. The text line as well, 69306. We got a couple of texts already come through, but we appreciate being on the air and getting extended opportunities with this playoff run. After the bye week, I wanted to talk about the grades. As you know, We're in this first quarter of this show, and we got a great guest coming on. In the second quarter, uh, kind of a hero here in Kansas City in the past. Played in the 90s, but we'll we'll get to him a little bit later. Yeah. But about the season grades. I mean, this is an opportunity after a bye week to kind of reflect on the 16 games this season, the ups and downs, the hurdles that we went through as an organization and still being in a number two seed position. Um, I, I think. You know, there's a lot of passing grades, high passing grades that I have for each part of this team, each position group. This report card looks better than any report card I had in life, Joe. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm going to take a wild guess that the grades here are probably better than yours as well. It's a chance until, <laughs> until I see what your grades are. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to show you, share mine and, you know, you can tell me what you, if you think any different. 
Let's start with the offensive group because that's always the best group to start with. Yep. Um, quarterback, I'm going to give a B plus. Uh, I think uh, what we've seen from Patrick Moore, I think I've been spoiled. Yeah. Last year, 50 touchdowns, you know, the numbers, astronomical numbers. MVP season, yep. MVP season. And this year, not so much. So it, it that kind of gets me to an, a B plus yeah. as opposed to an A or A plus. Uh, O-line, I'm giving them a B. Uh, the emergence of the run game lately uh, kind of catapults them and the ability to protect Patrick Mahomes, Yes, especially in this last six-game stretch, six-game winning streak. The running back position, I'm giving a B plus, mainly because I'm swayed by this six-game winning streak. It's yeah. tough, tough, tough for any teacher, I'm sure, that's out there. It's tough to not forget the beginning of the semester mm -hmm. when the end of the semester is so good. Yeah. So when you have students that are more engaged towards the end of the semester, you tend to forget a lot about what happened in the beginning of the semester. So that's why I say B-plus for the running back position. Wide receivers, tight ends, I'm giving an A-minus. Uh, I think there was some – there was a little bit of lack of home run – taking advantage of home run opportunities in the latter part of the season. The offense kind of waned a little bit in the later phases. Now, I think that's uh, in part because the defense really stepped it up. Yeah. So I give them an A-. minus. You disagree with any of those? Nah. So far, so good. So far, so good. So we'll go to the ugly side of the ball. <laughs> the defense. I'm giving a D-line A. Oh, absolutely. A-plus. The guys, the, the uglies, the big uglies in the trenches doing a phenomenal job. The addition of Terrell Suggs has been an outstanding addition and attitude and just play on the field and stopping the run and what they've done over these last six games, especially comparing it to earlier in the, season. the earlier part of the semester. Um, leaps and bounds different, and I give them an A. Linebackers, I'm giving them a B. Now, I think the linebackers on this team are the weakest part of this team, um, but yet they've played much better. Yeah, definitely. Extremely better. Definitely in these last six weeks than we saw in the first 10 weeks or first 11 weeks with the bye. D-line and LB play, you know, it goes hand-to-hand. -hand. Yep. So if, if you got a D-line that's getting blown back, the linebackers are more than likely, you know, they're going to get covered up and, and blown back as well. So, you know, with the emergence of the D-line and Chris and Chris Jones coming back and, and having these guys play at a high level, you expect everyone else to play better, and that's exactly what happened. Now, this is the best, the best grade I was able to give for the DBs. defensive backs, which totally I had to drink, like, Two bottles of Pepto-Bismol uh -oh. as a former wide receiver just to string up enough strength to give a defensive back a good grade because I hate him so much. Uh -oh. A-plus to the defensive backs. No big plays, home runs. Tyron Matthew doing an outstanding job at that rover slash safety position. Just playmaker. I want to just say he's a playmaker position. Yeah. It's really, he's in the box. He's in the slot. He's blitzing from every angle. He's dropping. He's playing center field. He's basically doing a wild card position. Everything. Everything on Rover. the defense. And it's affecting the other guys that are making big plays as well. Breland interceptions. Ward doing a nice job uh, down the field as well. So I'm yep. giving him an A-plus. And special teams, I'm giving them a B-plus as well. Yeah, they're not turning the ball over. Not turning the ball over. Yeah. The fact that you're not talking negatively about the special teams like we did against Tennessee when they messed up the, the game-tying field goal, when 
you've had fumbles in the past. You're getting mm-hmm. home runs hit by McCall, McCall Hardman and home runs hit by uh, butt kicker and field goal. Oh, yeah. To me, they're a B-plus uh, part of the team. I think those grades are pretty uniform. You disagree with any of them? Nah, you know what? I don't disagree with any of them. I think uh, you know that's a fair assessment of where the team at, team is at right now. Now, if you were to... You know, instead of doing a, a full season grade and do like a quarterly grade, then I'm giving everyone A's because we play so much better all across the board, offense, defense, and special teams. So, I, you know, and credit goes out to the coaches because they've been, you know, they've been on these guys, you know, all year long, you know, just preaching consistency. And so far you're starting to get that consistency game in, game out, you know, throughout every single position on the field. So, yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I, I mean, if it was me, and I'm only breaking it down for the quarter. Everyone receives an A. Everyone sees, receives an A. And hey, I, see, I wish I'd have had you as a teacher. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, man. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think you got you got to reward, you know, the, these guys for going out there and not only, you know, bettering themselves, but executing the game plan the way it's supposed to be and making plays doing so. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, I definitely reward them for sure. Oh. Hey, okay, see, I'm looking at the uh, the text line, and I see that Travis Kelsey, Frank Clark is on the injury report. Do you have any info on the injuries and if they it will affect their availability Sunday? They're not going to miss the game. No. They're that, going to be ready. They're going to they're gonna be ready. And, you know, these little injuries, these minor injuries, knickknacks, these guys deserve to have a, a day off and let them do that. And if you're not hurt or injured, slightly injured during this part of the season, that means you didn't do anything during the regular exactly. season. Exactly. So uh, it's not surprising. I saw a tweet from Frank Clark. We talked about, what he was in the first matchup against the Texans and where he is now. And he said you got about 50% because he had two arm braces on in that game. And he didn't mention anything about being hampered now. So I like the fact that those guys, two leaders on each side of the ball, are going to be ready to play. And that adrenaline from the Chiefs faithful going in Arrowhead and the fans rocking, Mm -hmm. that will cure any kind of boo-boo, any kind of injury you got. Yeah, and I, you know what? I think when it comes to to Frank Clark, you know, he's had to hear so much criticism, you know, throughout the year about him not playing up to up to par, him not playing up to the contract that he received, but us not knowing that he's been this hurt, you know, yeah. for for him to to you know to be through. hurt to battle through it, not complain about it, no one knows about it, you know, that's a telltale to the type of player and the type of person that he is. He's gonna go out there and put it all on the line. He's not gonna complain. He's gonna do the dirty work and make sure things and you know make plays. So. You can appreciate him for that, for sure. Good stuff. Great first quarter. We do have Eddie V. We appreciate you calling in. Hold on. We'll get to you uh, in just a moment. But we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we got a special guest, one of the heroes of the Chiefs back in the 90s, specifically the miracle at Mile High, 1994. He was the man that caught that touchdown pass from Will, from Joe Montana Ooh. to beat John Elway. And I was on the field with him, one of my teammates. We're going to talk to Willie Davis when we come back. And we're back. Second quarter, players only. Joe Mays, myself, Dane and Hughes. Getting a lot of texts tonight, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at the text right now, and I'm seeing, uh, oh, here's a good one. A guy guy or woman from 816 said, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but there's a possibility they could lose, which is each and every week. (laughs) How do you think fans will react if they do lose? 
Pandemonium. Pandemonium. Yes. I mean, it's going to be crazy. Might be uh, one of the most disappointing since, what, 2003 and then going back to 94, I would think. Yeah, I think so. With, you know, with the talent, as talented of a, as, a, of a, um, as a team that we have here, you know, and, and to lose, knowing that we have everything it takes to win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl it'll be disappointing for sure. Yep. Let's yeah. go to the lines. We got Eddie on the line. What if Andy loses? Eddie, what's going on? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Hey, uh, appreciate you guys taking my call. Hope you guys have a uh, happy and healthy new year. Uh, my question is, uh, so Nick Wright on uh, on a different station, I won't name it, is saying that uh, the Wolves will come for Andy if uh, if we lose on uh, on Sunday. I Eddie. We, we lose him? Uh-oh. Yeah, we lost, yeah we lost Eddie. Yeah, I think basically where he was going is that the Wolves will come for Andy if we lose, and I, I think to some respect that's justifiable. I mean, yeah. this is one of you're fully healthy. You got your quarterback back fully healthy. You're playing at home. You got the number two seed um, after an AFC championship run where you are four inches away from going to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. there's, there, that seat should be probably hot. I think so. I mean, but the thing is, Andy Reid has been in quite a few hot seats mm -hmm. and continue to, you know, coach the way that he knows how to coach and continue to be consistent and continue to be one of the best coaches in the NFL. So I don't think he's going to be focused on that. He's not going to worry about that. His job is to take care of his team, make sure he puts the best team on the field, and that's what he's going to continue to do. Good. Well, we got a guest, a special guest, one of my former teammates, and he has a unique tie to this playoff team, this playoff run, and the, and the final four teams that are on each side of the bracket was a free agent wide receiver out of University of Central Arkansas and wind up playing in the NFL from 91 to 98 with a couple of years before that on practice squad, elevated himself, a true blue-collar blue guy. Joe, yeah. you know I love and you love the guys that are blue-collar, basically worked their, literally worked their way up in the NFL. Absolutely. And he did it as well as anybody, as great a story as we've had. 34 touchdowns during his career. We got Willie Davis, former wide receiver for the Chiefs, the Oilers, and the Titans. The Oilers. The Oilers and Oilers, the Titans. Yeah. He was part of that transition. Willie, what's going on? Hey, how y'all doing, guys? Uh, yeah, Dana, thanks for telling everybody how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> October 10, 1967. Oh, oh, okay. The Oilers, really? <laughs> hey, hey, man. How y'all doing, man? Good to be on. Hey, good to have you, man. Appreciate you calling in and, and being on the phone with us, man. Yeah, Willie, man, we appreciate it, man. Now, you know, you, there's a, a few questions I want to run by you. You obviously were Wait, part. Man, hold up, Dana. Hold yeah. up, no. Hold up, before we start. Have you told them your nickname yet? Uh-oh. Wait, wait, wait. Do they know what your nickname was when you played? Please give it to us. <laughs> I, I don't know if I told them that. His nickname, his nickname was Dangerous Dana <laughs> oh. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Willie. Oh. Dane. <laughs> Dangerous? I feel like my, I need to do a moonwalk. So, so my question is: Did he give himself that nickname, or did someone else give yes, him the nickname? He did. He did. Oh no! <laughs> that's not true. Oh no! That's not true. That's I plead the fifth. Oh, that's not that's that's not valid. <laughs> you oh can't man! Give yourself, you cannot. You gave yourself a. Oh. I did not. Don't believe him. So he so he, ever since we've been doing this show, he just <laughs> matter of fact, he just gave himself. 
the Nostradanin. <laughs> he gave himself that nickname. He didn't allow anyone else to give him the nickname. Hey, what had happened was... What had happened was... Okay. Yeah, okay. What had happened was... <laughs> <laughs> all right, Will. So you're putting all my business out in the street. Yep. That's all right. <laughs> so going back to our days, going back to your days back in the 90s with the Chiefs, uh, one of the questions that uh, fans had relayed to me over the years is, you know, and I want to hear your perspective on why our teams didn't make it. Why couldn't we get it done under the Marty regime and not blaming him, but wondering what's your perspective on that? You know, we always had really good defenses, great defenses. Gary Thomas, Neil Smith, we had Dale Carter, all those. We had a great defense. I think we were – and it, we did it throughout the season. I think – and, uh, and when you get to the playoffs, it should be no holes barred. Whatever yeah. you can throw at them on offense or whatever, that's what you should do. We never changed. Our offense stayed the same. It, it was run first, uh, play action pass, second, and, you know, pass the ball on third down. So I, I think in the playoffs, man, you got to – everything's got to be hitting on all cylinders, every phase, offense, defense, kicking game. And in the playoffs, being a team, see you so much in the regular season, I feel like you have to come out and show something different on offense and defense because teams are studying, studying what you do throughout the season. So I think if we could have changed our offense a little more and opened it up a little more, I, I think we, we would have been, we would have made a couple Super Bowls. Mm, nice. So with having those ideas about the teams that you played, that you were a part of then, do you kind of see some similarities with the Andy Reid coach team here? Or, you know, what do you see in your eyes? What do you see with uh, with this team and, and, and how far they're going to make it? You know, I, I really think if we go out and we play our best football, you can't have you can't have letdowns in the playoffs because it, it's one and done and every team in this playoff is put in the playoffs are really good. So I think if we go out and we're we're executing – on offense, defense, and kicking game, there's no team that can beat us. I really do. I have, we have talent on defense. We're playing much better on defense. Uh, Spags is doing a great job with the defense. I think we the, the, the guys have learned. They trust one another. You can see them. You can see them on the field the, the past couple weeks communicating much better than what they were doing before. Um, the offense, if, if we can take care of the ball and play our game, and, and we, we execute on all phases, it, no one will beat us. Will, now not a lot of fans know they remember you from your playing days, donning the 84 jersey, the big play at mile high in 94, catching the pass. It was a it was an angle route, and you were on a pivot on the outside. I remember the play like it was yesterday. and I don't. <laughs> uh, see, I'm reminding you. This, that's what I'm talking about. But uh, – when you you have a unique perspective now, and I say that for everyone that's listening, because not only was Willie a great NFL player, a great wide receiver for multiple organizations for a long time, but he's a scout now. Oh, he's an NFL scout for the Chiefs. So not only do you have the perspective that Joe and I have talked about about just seeing the game in a different lens, you see it in a even a more tight lens than we would see it 
because you got the scouting eyes now. From your perspective as a scout, and he's over the Southwest, mm -hmm. South and Southwest, uh, there was a guy from Texas that we got, number 15, that's from the South, and yeah. several players that we've had. I don't know how much you've been involved in the uh, the assertion of those guys' talent coming into the draft, whether it's McCall Hardman coming out of Georgia or, or different talents that we've gotten from the South. But talk about your your lens that you see the game and then some of this young talent that you've been a part of in the scouting department. Well, I, 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 you have to – I've learned as time went on. I've been, in, been scouting for 13 years. I learned that you have to see these guys in a completely different way than when I played. Uh, it's kind of like – let's take the quarterback position, for instance. Um, there is no such thing as a pocket passer anymore, really. Mm -hmm. um, You've you got to understand that now all these guys are in the, in the spread offense coming out, of, uh, coming out of college. They're moving around for three, four, four receivers. There is no, you know, under center, you know, getting in the eye formation and running the ball uh, 45, 50 times. Now you got to, you have to study them a, a different way. You got to open your, the offensive linemen. They're different. Every every position right now is different. Uh, Joe, you know this when you were playing in linebacker. You had the bigger linebackers. Now these linebackers are 225, 200 and. and uh, 20 pounds, 220, 225, because they need to be able to run and cover. Yep. So e everything is different now. You have to kind of open your mind and, open, and see things a different way. And it took me a minute to learn that, but now I know. Just like the guy, the, the, the certain guy that we have on our team that's, that was MVP last year, um, I had to, along with everybody in that office, uh, Brett Beach, luckily, he really saw it, that I had to see him in a different way um, because it was things he did in college that it is no way he could get away with in the NFL. Fortunately, he had Andy mm -hmm. yep. and Alex Smith. He had, he had Andy Reid, he had Alex Smith. He sat behind and, and learned from, and that kid is smart as a whip now. I mean, he picked stuff up quick and that's why he's having the success he's having along with the talent that he has he learned he listened and andy taught this kid and, and brought in college coaches to teach him how to teach this uh and i'm talking about patrick yeah, <laughs> yeah of course patrick, <laughs> to, to show him what's the best way to adjust the way patrick does things Hmm. And I must say, I don't know if Patrick will be where he is today if he did not come with Andy Reid. I really don't. I know he has talent. He would have done great. But MVP and doing the things he's doing and uh, touchdown to interception ratio and all, I, I mean, it, if it, I, I really feel if it wasn't for Andy Reid and him sitting behind Alex Smith, I don't know if Pat would be. I think he'd still be a, a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But MVP and all that, I don't know. Because he, he really, he's like a sponge. He soaked all this stuff up. You know, so. I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, you know, besides 
you know, watching film and seeing what a player can do out there on the field, what are some other things? And, you know, this is for the this is for the listeners. You know, I want them to know from a scout's point of view, what are some things that you really look for when you look at a player besides what he can go out there and do on the football field? Well, he has to be able to learn. Um, you can learn, especially on the, in this in our offense and defense. If you're not smart enough to come in and learn the offense and learn the defense, you're not smart. You you can't come in this building. You and I and that's the that's besides talent. That's probably probably the number one thing right now, along with uh, the person. And I, and I know we've we've gotten some question, questionable uh, personalities on our team, but at the same time, you got to understand that most of the stuff that these kids that they did, they were young kids who hadn't done crazy stuff yeah. when they were young kids. Um, that's what people don't understand. Yeah, it might it might be something. They may have done something when they were eighteen, nineteen years old. Who has not done things when they're 18, 19 years old? Yep. So you got to take, you try to get the best person, the smart person, but at the same time, and I'm just say this, you, you can't have a team full of choir boys. Yeah. Yep. That I mean, just just to be honest, I Hell mean, yeah. everybody talks about New England, and if you look at their 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 roster, they have questionable character guys. That's every sport, yeah, yeah, though. It's yeah. not just the NFL, right? Well, oh, yeah. that, I mean, that's right. NBA, exactly. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. Baseball. Yeah, it's everywhere. And and but I'm, I'm just talking about the way we do things. It's it's you know you have to be a smart player, and you and character is a big deal with us. It, it really is. It's, you look at at the character. I'm I, and you you really don't want to bring people in with questionable character. And I like I said, I know we've done some, but if you look around, the guys that we brought in, they've been they've been pillars in the community. Yeah, no problems. And that go- and that so, goes back to Lamar Hunt. I mean, you and I played for Lamar, and you know, you always had the characters that were kind of questionable based on their history, but Lamar instilled the importance of being connected in the community and just being good people. And I remember Marty saying, "You get good people on your roster." They'll become good players, and you'll be productive, and you'll be playing in January. And that seems to be the recipe for success in the NFL, and you've seen it for, gosh, what, now 30, 30 years, 30-something years? Yep. Yes. Um, and that goes to the top. It really, really, it goes to the top. It goes with Greg Beach, it goes Andy Reid, yep. the coaches, the coaching staff, and, the, and, and even the, the community of Kansas City. I mean, it is – it's so easy to go to Kansas City and do the right thing and get involved in that community. You want to. You, you, it's a small, it's a big city, but it's small. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to go there and, and, you know, if you mess up, it's going to be everywhere because the only thing they have is the Chiefs and the Royals. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah. So the guys that come there, and I'm going to tell you who else does a great job with these guys, Ted uh Ted Cruz, yeah, uh, PR head of PR. He yep. does head of PR. He does a great job now. I, 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 he, he gets those guys in. He sits them down and he explains what what's going on and how he wants them to handle handle the media. And he does a great job. I mean, it, it's 
it's a it's a it, it is a team deal when it comes to our players and wanting them to do good in the community in Kansas City. So it, it, it's a it's a team. The organization, the entire organization, is great. It really is. I'm not just saying that because I'm, I've I've been in other organizations and it was nothing like this. Yep, and that's what I was about to I'm say. You've been around it. Yeah, you've been around it. You're still around it. You get to mix and mingle with all the other scouts of other different different teams, you, you know, whether it's in Indianapolis during the combine or so on. So you get to hear it. It makes us, and I'm, I'm sure you, appreciate more what we have in Kansas City. So all the fans out there that waver at times because they hear a negative story or something like that, rest assured that we have the top organization in the NFL and you heard it from Willie you hear from us each and every week Willie we appreciate you joining us man on players only Absolutely. great to talk to you happy hey, man, new year stop telling yeah, all my business on these air on these on these air oh, I didn't mean to come on it's nah, all right, man. He, he just needed to be called out. There's no way, no way, and no way possible he could be dangerous. <laughs> well, when hey, we come Joe, back, I didn't want Joe. I didn't want him to sit up there and have the fans thinking he's just clean cut. Oh <laughs> man, I, I, mean, oh, I didn't want fans to think that of him. So Joe, dang. I had to put that out there. I usually would expect that from a defensive player, but not from one of my wide receiver brothers. <laughs> Don't you love it, Will? Man. That's because we boys. That's true. That's true. That's true. You're right. Hey, man, we appreciate you. Happy happy New Year, and uh, hopefully we'll see you up here for an AFC championship or down in Miami for the Super Bowl. Thanks for coming on, bro. Hey, thank you all for having me. All right, now. Hey, when we come back, we'll, Willie talked about a guy in Ted Cruz being a top-shelf guy. There's another guy in this organization, one of many, that got a little slighted lately in Eric Bieniemy. We're going to talk about it next. Welcome back to the show. We are in the third quarter, everybody. And I just want to let y'all know, just in case y'all don't, we have the best fans in the NFL. Absolutely. The absolute best fans in the NFL. I'm no sitting question. here reading the text line, and the very first text I see, in all caps, Houston is going down like a hooker on dollar day. <laughs> I don't know if we were supposed to listen. <laughs> I, may not, I may not have supposed to <laughs> said that on air, but I just want to let you know just how great our fans are. I had, I had to. I had to read it. So whoever's listening, if you feel a certain type of way, look, I hope you're laughing. I hope this is something that you can look back and laugh at because this just shows you how great our fans are. All right, let's go to another text. <laughs> a text from 913. People forget how many snaps Suggs played this year in, for Arizona. How do you think he'll compliment Clark and Jones this week? Well, you know, I think Suggs, he's so used to being the premier guy on the team to where now he's – so late in the game, you know, he's at the late stage in the game where he understands his role. So he knows how to come in and be a part of an organization and not try to demand any extra attention, any extra role playing. Um, he knows what he, he know what needs to get done. And yeah. he knows how to play next to guys that, you know, that are all stars and superstars like Chris Jones and playing opposite of Frank Clark. So I know he's going to be able to step in and play the way, you know, he's supposed to play and, and do whatever you need to do to, to help the team win. All right, just in case this is our last show, <laughs> we got another text from the 785. Eric Bieniemy. it's unconscionable that Coach B was not selected for a head coaching spot, but as a selfish Chiefs fan, I am so glad 
Those men were so stupid to do so. We appreciate that from the 785. And that brings us to our point we were talking about earlier about Eric Bieniemy. Now, this is, a, this is national news. And I know we have fans, and for whatever reason, there's the just thick the sports fan out there, which I'll never, ever understand. Yeah. And whether it's in regards to politics, religion, what have you, uh, this is a national story uh, for many reasons on many layers. And so we're going to talk about it. Black coaches yeah, and the slight that happens, and it's as evident as anyone can see if they want to see it, if they don't have blinders on. Uh, Doug Peterson, great offensive coordinator, great offensive mind, was the coordinator here, Yeah, got a job. Matt Nagy, offensive coordinator, great offensive coordinator, got a job. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy, next in line off of an outstanding Andy Reid coaching tree, no job. He's had what I believe is seven-plus interviews over the last couple of years yeah. and no job. Now, you've heard Eric Bieniemy at the podium. You hear the stories. You see the tweets from current and former players in support. There's nothing about Eric Bieniemy that says he can't lead an organization. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that the head coaching interview that he's had seven plus times has gone as well as every interview that we've seen him do at the podium as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. So it, it, it shows the fact that there's a bias, whether you want to believe it or not. And then there's people out there that say the owners own the company, they can do what they want. Yeah. Well, do something different. I think so. That To me, that's not too hard to ask, especially if you have a workforce of over 1,000 players that represent a different dynamic. Yeah, and, you know, they created this Rooney rule where you have to, you know, interview a certain amount of minority coaching candidates. And, you which know, is a bogus rule. Which is a bogus rule because you can interview them. Yeah, sure, we can go ahead and get that on out of the way, but we that doesn't say we need to hire them. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because those other two guys that you name and Peterson and Nagy, Eric Bieniemy, he has more coaching experience than those two guys has combined. Yeah. I mean, you know, Peterson, he was a coach. And I'm pretty sure during that time, Bieniemy, he was – I mean, Peterson, he's a player. I'm sorry. And at that time, Bieniemy, he was either playing or coaching. Yeah. So I played he, against Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, so he has, you know, a number of years of experience when it comes to coaching the game of football. And the fact that, you know, teams, they don't necessarily um, think that that's valuable or people wouldn't say that that's valuable, I think it's pretty bogus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. we get a text from the 402, lame, race isn't the issue. That is lame to assume that it's not. Not not that, I mean, what other workforce you have – the, the Bed Bath & Beyonds, the ladies' products, mm-hmm. guess who they have as CEOs or at least on the board? A bunch of ladies. I mean, they have some men, but they have some ladies. Yeah. I mean, and his resume stands out. And the greatest compliment that I heard Andy Reid or anyone make for Eric Bieniemy was a few weeks ago. He said, and I quote, Eric Bieniemy EB, is a great leader of men. Yeah. Now, X's and O's aside, all that jazz, when you have somebody with the status of, of Andy Reid who has every reason to want to keep Eric Bannon because they're having success, yep. say not that he's a great X and O's guy, not that he does d- 
designs the offense really, really well, which he said those things. But the first words out of his mouth were, he's a great leader of men. Any corporation, any organization, any board of directors that are out there for anything would want a leader that's a great leader of men. Yeah. And for whatever reason, which we know there are the main reason why he's being over overshadowed and and not being seriously considered for these jobs uh, is a travesty. It is. And, and I think that, you know, the fact that, you know, you're not want, wanting to use race as the issue. I think we just need to call a spade a spade. Yeah. You know, it just is what it is. You know, there's no need to sit there and say that that's not the reason why he hasn't gotten the job or an opportunity to be the head coach. And and we have to go to break, but here's one last point on that. If you didn't, if the Rooney rule is in place because it was necessary for there to be a Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. So then, therefore, that tells you in itself that there's a black, non-black component that needs to be addressed because yep. you would not have to have the Rooney rule any kind of equality, whether it's women in the workplace uh equal status diversity and so on in any corporation you don't have to have that in place if there is diversity and equality the fact that there's not forces you to put in place things like the rooney rule and unfortunately you know the enemy he was a part of that rooney rule yep you know these teams they were able to satisfy you know their rooney rule status when it comes to them looking for a head coach yep and so we got to cut that short, and hopefully people will come to their senses, owners will come to their senses and recognize the gem, the true gem they could have in Eric Bieniemy. But we got to end this third quarter. We're going to go to the fourth quarter. We're going to talk about the Chiefs-Texans game coming up, our thoughts about the game, and where this Chiefs team will stand probably around 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. Fourth quarter in the house, players only here. Joe Mays, Danon Hughes, last segment, obviously a hot topic. We get a, a bunch of texts from the 913. I'm right there with the enemy, so articulate and detailed in his interviews. We got one from the 620. I'm white, and I don't necessarily see racism that people sometimes point out, but in this case, I can find a better, I can't find a better explanation. That's from Jayhawk Sean. Ultimately, Joe. That's all we're. That's all we want people to recognize is a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we put blinders on because we don't want something to be, but it's as clear as day. If there are companies out there that don't have women CEOs or don't have women on as the top of board of directors, sometimes it's because they're a woman. A woman. They have don't have older people or younger people, white or black, young or old or what have you. It's because of that. There's bias in our country. There's bias in our society. We're just calling it out where we believe it is. And I think a lot of people will recognize that it's likely that that's the case here. Yeah, and with a guy with the resume of Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, with with his resume, resume, there's no way he he shouldn't be a head coach. I can see him being better than almost half the head coaches in the NFL right now. Well, you're promoting special teams and wide receiver coaches and college coaches for the NFL. Man, in his place, thirty-eight year old. When's the last college coach? When's the last college coach you saw have extreme success automatically and immediately in the NFL to make you think that that's a trend? I, it just, those those are the obvious things that I see. Not yeah. saying that they're bad coaches, but I'm saying to get passed over for that is something that makes you say, hmm. And it's a huge difference yeah. taking that next step from being a college coach to, the, to an NFL coach. I understand, 
you know, rule the guy. That guy, he 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 had a job because he was able to, you know, um, you know, take two programs and and take them up to the yeah. top. So I get it. Yeah, we got a short time left. We got to talk about the Chiefs Texans and yeah. the projections. This game, Joe, what are you thinking about this Chiefs game? I think it's going to be a much different game than the first game. You know, the Chiefs they were they played a little sloppy and we wasn't as as uh, clean on defense. So it's going to be a much better game on the defensive side, offense. You know, we have a more more of a balanced attack now, so we get a chance to run the ball a little bit because their defense has shown at times that they can't stop, you know, you know any run game or they have a hard time covering receivers too. So, you know, I, I got a feeling that we, we have this in the bag and, you know, this Chiefs, they're going to come out and they're going to they're gonna be fresh and they're going to play well. I, I agree with you, Joe. I think if you, you can make a strong argument that the ugliest game of the season for the Chiefs was against the Texans right here on our home turf. Yep. Uh, gave up 192 yards rushing, 472 yards total offense. We gave the ball away. We had double-digit penalties. Every aspect of the game failed in that game, and yet we only lost by a touchdown. Only lost by a touchdown. Yep. So I like our chances in this game. I think our defense is astronomically better than what they were uh, back in Week Six against the Texans, and our offense still has a lot of gasoline left that they haven't tapped into in the last couple of weeks, but we all know they have that ability. So, Chiefs win this Sunday, and I'm predicting a Ravens loss. So, we will host the AFC Championship next week. I like you it. heard it from Nostradanen. I like, I like those odds. I and like we'll it. be back next week regardless, players only. 6 to 7 p.m. next Thursday. Julio, my man, will be here. Joe will be here, and I will be here in effect. Thanks for listening. This is Players Only. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.